Good morning, Your Honors, and may it please the Court. My name is Chris Ruska, and I, alongside my co-counsel Dan Zapala, represent petitioner Sergio Rosas-Martinez in this matter. I respectfully request five minutes for rebuttal. The BIA's decision lacks key features of meaningful appellate review. By using a near verbatim resuscitation of respondents' arguments and record citations below, the BIA rubber-stamped an order where it is difficult to discern whether it meaningfully engaged with the record or why the BIA abandoned facts found by the immigration judge. Given this lack of written justification and lack of meaningful appellate review from the face of the BIA order, Mr. Rosas Martinez requests the court vacate, reverse, and remand for the BIA to provide a written order reviewing the IJ's order under established principles, or, in the alternative, reverse the BIA's order sustaining the respondent's objection, thereby reinstating Mr. Rosas Martinez's grant of deferral of removal under the Conventions Against Torture. Well, the trouble is your briefing makes a procedural argument and ignores our substantive recent cases on, on the fact-finding question. In what way, Your Honor? Distinguish GEMA for me. I guess I can prepare a Rule 26F letter, but... Uh, no, I, I don't want that. I mean, you don't need, I don't think you even cited. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that it has been cited, Your Honor. I mean, in the recent cases that we... Yeah, you go back to Waldron, and, and uh, we've got so many cases on this issue specifically. Well, we... when, when, has, when has the BIA uh, adequately avoided independent fact-finding? And the most recent, more than one recent case says, if the board says it did clear error review, we accept that. And you're telling us, well, we can't tell, but because they didn't write enough words... Uh, whether they really did it when they said they did it. And we've got cases contrary to that argument. Well, I think the most recent case that, that we have seen, Your Honor, and we cite it because it was submitted or it was put out after our opening brief, but we rely upon it in our reply brief, is uh, Alvarez Gomez versus Garland. It's uh, 56 um, in the fourth register, 582, and it's a 2022 decision. I believe it was... I believe it was made in September of 2022, which was after our opening brief, which is why I responded to it in our reply brief. And in that case, there was a, there was a reversal of the BIA's order, and it, and it also is on point because it discusses the kind of unique procedural posture in this case where there is an immigration judge decision that grants uh, deferred cat relief, and then there's the BIA decision that overrules or sustains the objection. So then... With that standard of review here, the the BIA must look at the immigration judge's decision for clear error for the factual findings, but then this court is going to be reviewing the BIA's decision. So in this case, this court will be reviewing the BIA's three-page decision for whether it provided sufficient or adequate justification for abandoning um, certain factual findings made by the immigration judge. So that's kind of different than the normal circumstance where the immigration judge... Uh, denies cat removal, the BIA affirms, and then this court would look at the at the decision for a substantial evidence review. We're in a different posture here, which is what makes uh, this a little bit unique. And the recent cases by this court in Chor and in Alvarez Gomez talk about that kind of procedural um, the procedural posture. We never, we never, we 
I mean, Waldron's been distinguished frequently. I understand, Your Honor, but I think in this certain, in this scenario when the Alemo, Abdi, Omar, Saldano. Right. So the last two cases, I think the most two recent cases here are, are both Chor and Alvarez Gomez, which which we cite in our briefs. And what was the basis for that decision? For, for was it was it this procedural they didn't adequately explain, or was it on the merits? Of the of the clearly erroneous findings. Yes, Your Honor. In in Alvarez Gomez, one one of the arguments made was that the I didn't ask what the arguments were. What did we do? What was the, our decision based on? I didn't I didn't read it. I've I've read all these other cases and written a couple of them. So it was, if I understand correctly, Your Honor, it was just based on the the petitioners asserting that the BIA didn't provide adequate justification. What our case said, or that's what was argued. Well, that was what the case said, and that's what the panel ultimately held, was that, and it reversed the BIA's decision. It just said that there wasn't enough in the board's explanation to show why the IJ clearly erred. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I believe, that if I understand that correctly, yes, uh, Judge Carlton, that's correct. So that's part, of, that's part of the issues that we're having here, is that if the BIA is going to find clear error in factual findings, including the predictive factual findings um, on the... Uh, and they, well, they, they laid out the chain of assumptions reasoning. They said it was too much speculation. In this decision? Yeah. The issue is that they, they say that there was speculation, but they don't explain what of the... You know, what of the IJ's factual findings, predictive factual findings, were clearly didn't, erroneous? Didn't they, didn't they talk about the IJ relying on older data about the conditions in Mexico? When I reviewed the when I reviewed the order, uh, Your Honor, I didn't see anything about older conditions. I think in the country conditions, it did lay out that uh, in Mexico that there has been significant steps towards um, authorities being prosecuted, people under the under the color of the law being prosecuted, but there's also factual evidence that was submitted and found by the IJ that that's just insignificant, or that they, or that the Mexican government will prosecute only uh, low-level prosecutors in this effort to show that something has changed. But there's basically two sides of the evidence here, and when there's two sides of the evidence, uh, that's not a clear error review. That's not sufficient to overturn a clear error factual finding, and that's kind of the the whole point here. Is even though Judge Colleton's right, there was a sentence about. Uh, there, was a, there was a sentence about uh, the suppositions and the hypothetical chains of events. It doesn't really talk about the immigration judge's actual predictive factual findings or the paragraph where the, the immigration judge specifically says she understands she's making predictive factual findings, and, but there's important inferences to be made from each fact. And as this case has, and as this court has acknowledged... But it's clear in our, from our precedents that the board can make different, in, can draw different inferences. That's not, that's not impermissible fact-finding. The board can re-weigh. It can consider al alternative inferences. So your, your procedural argument fails by a, our precedents. The, the the board is allowed to to make different legal conclusions, but it still must adopt the factual findings made. No, well, no, no it, well, if, 
It can also look at facts in the record that the IJ ignored. We've said that. It can look at the it can look at the facts in the record that the BI that the immigration judge ignored, but it also can ignore the factual findings actually found and but utilized. It, but and it didn't here. It expressly said which which objectively objective factual findings were accurate. And then it said when the IJ went on from there, it went into uh, predictive findings that that. Uh, require a chain of assumptions and if any of them doesn't pan out then the there's clear error in the predictive finding yeah but the issue the issue your honor is that in that paragraph talking about the predictive findings it just merely looks at other facts in the record without explaining why the 10 plus pages. You, know, you want perfection in BI. Now, this, this is constant in immigration appeals. The agency didn't, didn't dot the I's and cross the T's and, cross, and write as good an opinion as, as uh, uh, my immigration professor would have insisted upon in our, in our um, seminar course. And we have consistently rejected that approach to judicial review of an agency decision in the immigration field. The argument isn't, Your Honor, that the BIA needs to describe every piece of evidence it considered. I agree with you under Doe versus Holder, that's established precedent in this circuit. But also the case law says that when there's going to be a rejection of immigration of the immigration judge's findings, it's got to identify reasons grounded in the record. And in this case, merely pointing to other facts in the record uh, is, is insufficient to explain why the immigration judge's factual findings were clearly erroneous. And of course, in a predictive factual finding uh, case, there's going to be a little bit of a level of conjecture. But an inference is not a suspicion or a guess. It's a reasoned, logical decision, which the immigration judge explained in her decision. And in this case, the BIA also completely ignored uh, that the immigration judge found Mr. Rosas Martinez credible, uh, which, 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 as the court knows, as part of the as part of the CFR, credible testimony alone could be sufficient. And so that's an important thing the, to, to analyze when assessing the whole opinion as a whole is that even, the, even though the, the court might be able to look at other facts or record, it's, there's still additional facts that the, that the BIA discussed or didn't discuss that was clearly erroneous and didn't even touch on the fact or find clearly erroneous the factual finding that Mr. Rosas Martinez was a credible witness. Let me ask you this about the, the big picture, bigger picture, if you will, of this case. If if a, if the board is reversed here, is the implication then that really any drug dealer who's working for the cartel and is apprehended in the United States would be entitled to relief? What would be the limiting principle here that makes this drug dealer different than any other cartel drug dealer who's caught in the United States? I think one important distinction is is the credibility finding here. Um, for example, the kind of seminal case in the predictive factual findings was that in Ray JFF, and in that case, you know, it was held that there 
there was insufficient, um, that there, there was only reliance solely on testimony. And when there was reliance solely on testimony, that was the kind of chain of assumptions that is improper. But all this guy said was that well, and he, he, you know, was told don't cooperate. Amongst other things, but then there was also extensive country conditions. Uh, uh, but that's disputed. I mean, the, that's what one of the things the BIA relied on was um, the conditions in Mexico are different. The Mexican government has made strides in eliminating the type of corruption that would legitimate the fears. Yeah, but the... But the, the, the alternative, Your Honor, and I see I have only two minutes left, so if, if you may, uh, I'll answer your question and reserve the rest of the time for rebuttal. Um, there's facts uh, going both ways, Your Honor, with the, with, the evidence, with the extensive evidence that was produced on the record for the country conditions. There's evidence showing that there's been substantial strides being made. And then there was also evidence that was found that it's insufficient and that it's kind of a kind of a sham. And so when you have this kind of competing competing factual findings, who, who says it's a sham? The Department of State. The just the country conditions are showing, like um, I believe in the in the in the AR, there's evidence that was found that you know it's only low level prosecutors are ones that are being prosecuted. So it's not really a total effective way of kind of cleansing. Okay, but the, what's the source? Uh, I could. I don't have the source is on it, me. Is right. it newspaper reports or or it's it's private it, private uh, human rights organization opinion? I don't have it in front of me, Your Honor, but it's in the record. It's not the kind of country condition evidence that we usually uh, rely on. I I agree with you, Your Honor, and if and if you may, I reserve the rest of my time for rebuttal. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rishka. Ms. Duong. May it please the court, Alana Jung for the Attorney General. Um, unless the court would like me to address specific issues, I will respond to points that opposing counsel made, if that's okay. Um, first of all, talking about whether the evidence was sufficient, whether the country condition evidence of Mexico and the authorities' um, attempt to combat crime and corruption in Mexico is sufficient, counsel kept on making that point, but that's not the standard for CAT acquiescence. For cat acquiescence, the petitioner has to show that he has more likely than not that he would be tortured by here, the Sinaloa cartel, and that with the consent or acquiescence of the Mexican government. And here, the board, in reversing the IJ's acquiescence determination, concluded that petitioners claim that when he is deported to Mexico, Mexican authorities would detain him at the airport, find information about cartel from him, and turn that information over to the cartel, that wasn't bored out by the record. That's not a common occurrence. The country conditions evidence did not support that belief. Also, with regards to corruption, the immigration, the immigration, the board recognized the immigration judge's corruption findings. It did. It recognized all the evidence. But then it made the determination that looking at all the, Mex the government's other attempts, it arrested, prosecuted, high-level, low-level officials. This shows that all the corruption that's going on in, the Mexican, in Mexico by the cartel is not with the consent or acquiescence of the government. 
credibility, yes, the immigration judge found that petitioner was credible. However, under the Supreme Court's decision in Ming Dai, credibility is only one aspect of only one aspect of the um, the uh, under the INA. The Supreme Court provided that credible testimony is not sufficient to meet. Credible testimony has to be persuasive and sufficient to establish facts. On appeal, when the the, on appeal, the, the board can accept a petitioner's testimony as credible, but can conclude that it's not persuasive or provide sufficient facts to meet his burden of proof. And that's what the board did in this case. It accepted petitioners. It did not find that the immigration judge's credibility determination was clearly erroneous. It accepted the credibility determination, but concluded that the testimony was not persuasive or pointed to specific facts to enable petitioner to meet his burden of proof. Alvarez Gomez and the cases that are cited that are provided by this court. I would like to provide that ensure ensure the ensure um, the board the immigration judge had granted deferral of removal and this court and the board did reverse the immigration judge's grant and this court dis, um, dismissed the peti- denied the petition for review and in that case the this court concluded that personal risk of torture is a required element for CAT, but that the immigration judge had impermissibly strung together a series of superstitions related to Mr. Shore's father's activities and how they might reveal to and are interpreted by unknown individuals within the South South Sudan government and how it would affect his personal risk of torture. And Gonzalez was a similar analysis. The Gonzalez, Gonzalez was a similar analysis, Your Honor. Oh, Gonzalez. Alvarez Gomez? I believe you're, or, I believe you're referring to Alvarez Gomez, or Keta, Abdi Omar, Lasu, Jima? Abdi Omar is another one, but. uh. Yes, Abdi Omar, Lasu, Jima, Mohammed. All those cases from this court follows the same framework right, that we are in currently. I meant, oh, I meant Gilbert. Oh, Gilbert. Yes, Your Honor. Gilbertson also... is like, sure. It's... No, not like, but... It's not like because the immigration judge had denied, um, had denied CAT and the, the board had affirmed the denial. But it's like, sure, in that it is a matter of JFF saying... Um, the events were based on speculation, and the petitioner did not establish that she more likely than not um, would be tortured by Los Zetos. It is like Shore in that it is a... Gilbertson is like Shore in that it is a chain of event case. And it seems to me Jima is almost the most, the most analogous in that the IJ was, was reversed. Yes, Your Honor. Jima... And the... Uh, we did not find the BIA guilty of impermissible fact-finding. Yes, Your Honor. Jima followed, um, Shore followed Jima, and it is the same, the same IJ grant and board reversal, and the IJ did, the board did provide sufficient justification that another Jima, another citizen of South Sudan, was unable to, um, he did not show specific grounds, specific grounds existed that he would be personally be at risk 
um, of torture if he were to return to South Sudan. Um, Mohammed is also another recent case by this court that follows the same framework of IJ Grant, the board reverses, and this court upheld uh, upheld the board's determination because the board provided sufficient justification. I guess this Alvarez-Gomez case is the one. Yes, Your Honor. It's best for the petitioner because the, the court said the board did not provide enough reasons to reverse the IJ, but of course it's a different scenario involving El Salvador and different facts and so forth, but it just shows at least procedurally it's possible the board is insufficient in certain cases, so it's all dependent on the decision of the board, I guess. Yes, Your Honor. In Alvarez-Gomez, the majority in that case found that the board had ignored certain evidence and had misconstrued a finding by the immigration judge. We don't have that situation here. We have more consistent with the other cases, Shor, Jima, Abras, Omar, Mohammed, and Mohammed, that the board looked at the IJ's determinations. And if you look at the board's decision in, um, with the IJ's determination, you can see that they actually flow um, parallel to each other. The board determined that what was legally erroneous was the overall, the IJ's overall determination of a likelihood of torture. That is the predictive finding that is legally erroneous. And then the board goes in to explain what facts that were found by the immigration judge led the board to conclude that the overall likelihood of torture determination was clearly erroneous. The board was not reversing individual IJ findings. It showed how thoroughly it re reviewed the IJ's decision by accepting, as it said in its reconsideration denial decision, that many of the facts factual findings, the little factual findings by the immigration judge, were not legally erroneous. The board accepted that. The board's issue with the IJ's decision was that the predictive findings outpaced the evidence. And so the board was making, was in the paragraph, um, in the paragraph starting with however on AR 277, the board was explaining, here are all the holes. And it all leads to petitioner has not received any direct threats from the cartel. Here's the hole, and this is why petitioner cannot establish more likely than not that he would be tortured by the Sinawa cartel. Unless the, bo unless the court has any other questions. We're not the board. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm used to <laughs> Unless the court argued has. argued before the board, I guess. I've worked for the board, and I've argued before the board. Unless the court has any other questions for the government, we rest on our brief. Thank you, Ms. Duong. Mr. Reshka, your rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honors. My final point is that if we're, if we're talking about what is or what isn't in the record, I, I think that means we're getting away from whether an actual clear error, we're getting away from the clear error standard. When there's evidence supporting one thing and there's evidence supporting another thing, 
when someone when the when the court takes a clear review it's it's not it has to kind of defer to what was actually found and so by the by the whole idea that we're getting into what's being looked at in the record or what's found or what's not found i think that's kind of the whole point when i opened with is that we just simply don't know on the face of the bia order what was found what wasn't found and what adequate adequate explanations there were and where it is in the record and so that's why we asked the court at, at the very least that this court can reverse and remand and have the bia provide a sufficient order explaining what factual findings were being disregard, disregarded why that's happening uh and 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 in that case then it, we can we might be up here again to have a more meaningful review of the actual merits of the decision thank you thank you mr